Menomina. 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 <laughs> Hello and welcome to Low Lockdown, How We Laughed, with today's special guest, uh, all the way from Partick in Glasgow, a good friend, in fact a good family friend, uh, painter Frank McNabb. How are you doing, Frank? Not bad, Jimmy, not bad. Thanks for inviting me on. That's okay. It's you've always been a nice. I've always wanted to get you on because I've been looking at your paintings and they've been phenomenal throughout um, lockdown. Oh, thanks for that, yeah. I have to say, as People that do things that I do, like painting, um, uh, unless you're working in a studio which is closed, some of them are or have been. And I mean, like, if I'm working from home, it makes it so much easier for me. I, I mean, I don't even notice it's a lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same thing. You know, the only thing is the galleries are closed just now, which is a bit of a shame for them. Um, but just to go some work, you know, um, and the as I say, the, the virus. The lockdown, well, not the lockdown, but the virus and the lockdown have been quite inspirational, I have to say, um, because I've been using the differences in the way that the world is just now to inspire some of the pictures I've been doing. Yeah. Well, like I say, I mean, some of them have been phenomenal. Using the, the, the idea of using the, the virus itself as an actual physical jellyfish in some of the paintings, you know, it's... Um, just really, some of them have really blown my way. And I've always thought you were a good painter, you know, but recently you've just taken like some kind of quantum leap. Do you, know, you know where that jellyfish came from? That, that idea of the jellyfish. I was going to say the sea there. <laughs> Using that as a, a metaphor for the virus actually came from sitting in this back kitchen of mine in a tenement building and looking out the back and across the, the backs on the other side, um, somebody had washed a big white dress put it in a coat hanger and hung it outside the window. Right. And the, and the wind came and blew up, the, up, up underneath the dress and inflated that into a big bell. So it just looked like there was a big giant jellyfish floating outside the windy. So, you know, they were the ones responsible for it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what they... That was dress. <laughs> <laughs> and did that happen on the spot? Like, you kind of thought that could be the body virus out there? Like... Well, it just, it just seemed so surreal to look at because yeah. you know, they opened the window so that it had opened out like that and it was horizontal so it was about three feet away from the, 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 where the window ledge was and they just put the coat hanger on the end of the window and this right. dress was hanging down and it was quite striking that was what really sort of struck me about and then as you say I thought about this is the virus times, you know, that's, that's a weird thing, that. Mm. And it is like some little movie or something, you know, it's quite interesting, yeah. I noticed that last year as well, like, about the first, sort of, four months, the, the, the first lockdown, it was, um, there was no, there was, there was no really anything happening in comedy at all. I hadn't discovered Zoom or anything like that yet, but I started to write some of the, probably the best jokes I think I've written so far. In lockdown, and it's, it's it seems to be that like because I wasn't managing to get on stage, there was something about writing better material where, where I was being distracted by the gigs. <laughs> I think that this this lockdown and this virus has forced people to look inside themselves. Yeah. Whereas previously everybody had managed to divert themselves from doing that. Yeah. looking at themselves anyway. You're looking in the mirror. You know what I mean? But um, this is forcing people to do it. 
and even the loudest, most obnoxious, sort of like you know, person in the street is shouting at ball and drinks like fish and does all this and does all that and zombies there with a gang of his pals, is now forced to sit his cell and look at his cell because yeah. he's and that, that's a strange situation at the moment. And I just wonder when it, the lockdown, if it ever does, eases off to have not something more approaching normality. I wonder if this experience is actually going to affect people's behaviour. Yeah. People may be a bit different now that they've been forced to actually examine themselves. Well, I, yeah. had, I had an idea when it first started that, because I was my mum's carer for eight years, and that was a kind of self-imposed lockdown. It just it, it got to the stage where I very rarely seen people. I was just in the house all the time. And um, I kind of thought it was going to be like that. But there was a big difference back then because the world was actually happening. Yeah. And so yeah. I was just choosing not to be part of it because I was kind of isolated as a carer. You know, so but it was... Um, I, I kind of... I, I still see the kind of similarities between that time and now. But I, now it's like... So many people, I mean, everybody's in their house, you know, and some people are just not handling it. Yeah, it's difficult for people to help. I mean, it really is. Um, I, you know, I, I wonder about that sometimes, you know. Um, there, are, there are different kinds of people, I believe, though, and there are some people, you struck me as a bit like this, but people that I would call outsiders, people that don't embrace the hierarchy of the ladders of society and, clamber up the managerial sort of like scales and stuff like that. Yeah. And I've always been a bit like somebody that didn't involve myself in that. And I think people that have already have been like that kind of outsider mentality have have managed probably to deal with us a bit better because it's a bit closer to the way they operate anyway. You know, yeah. it's like going to the countryside, it's a big giant mansion, the big huge windows, and there's a ball going on inside and everything's glittering and golden inside. You know, I'm always been one of these people that seems to see that through the window. It's almost like it's more aesthetically pleasing looking at it from 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 in the, in the window. You're like, no, no, it's great you're having a party, but just let me watch from out here. <laughs> I don't drink anyway. <laughs> and then, but you've always got that. I mean, I think I've got a kind of security from returning to that isolation again. Aye. You know, that, that seems appealing to me rather than being inside that window, you know. Now that the window in a place is locked down, there isn't any place inside the house anymore. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're the normal one. I think people that have that mentality and maybe have outsiders like yourself, they're doing the comedy stuff and the writing and things, and myself doing paint, and maybe people that are creative in that kind of fashion. Um, yeah. Maybe it's a bit easier to do all this stuff. And it's a bit easier as well because a lot of what we do is dependent on being on your own anyway. Aye. To start least. Um, and, and that is something that we can do. Whereas people that basically live as a, you know, they, they go to offices or they work in factories or, you know, not that many nowadays, but Aye. people that are well afloat would find it harder, I think, you know. Aye, I definitely, that's kind of sense of community and things, yeah. But I, th I think sometimes, like, personally, I, th I, I, I take too much pride in being an outsider, and sometimes I'm too resistant well, to, jo to joining in, you know, like. I don't even know what you mean by that. I 
me. I mean, you know, it is an important thing to be able to talk to folk and to be yeah. able to value society with people. You know, value people's society, value people's yeah. company. Yeah. And that's something we shouldn't lose. Yeah. But, you know, it's so important. I mean, but the, the other aspect of it is also important. And I think that too many people are afraid of being in their own now. Yeah. Um, through television and social media and various other things. To, to not allow themselves to be their own, and that's difficult for them now. I think I uh, think there, there's 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 so many dangers with social media. I've spoken about in the, the, the show before as well. It's social media gives the illusion of community a lot of the time, and yeah. and it and, and and when times like now happen, it you, you find out the restrictions, the the limitations of that community that exists within social media. It's all. It's all it's not real. Yeah, it's also the fact that as soon as a big company decides doesn't they want you to be on it, you're off. Mm. And that's that. Google or Facebook or Twitter or something. As soon as one of these mobs decides that, you know, you've done something they don't like, cheerio, that's you. No yeah. social media. So, you know, I think it is important to, to talk to real people and to, <laughs> to you know, and to, you know um, and to be confident in your own Solitude, if you know what I mean. Aye. Uh, definitely. Um, so, like, when did you actually start painting, Frank? I've always painted. I mean, I, you've I, always painted as long as I've known you. Yeah. Well, I went to art school in Glasgow before it burnt down. I've, I've, I mean, I painted since I was at primary school. To be honest, they right. actually. Primary school, they sent me to secondary school to pay, to go to art classes. You know, right, um, right. <laughs> I was standing there. I told you, we were always big tall and diddies in the secondary school. You know, I've always painted. Um, whatever I've been, I've always found myself doing it. I mean, I went up north to work in a hotel. When I was at college, I ended up doing some drawing and painting on the. It was in Gerloch actually. I did some drawing and painting on the the, the pier where the fishing boats come in, and then uh, I was doing drawing and painting the fishing boats. And then the guys that ran the fishing boats asked me to paint their boats. So the the hotel that I worked in is a some sort of some kind of toy peeler or something. Yeah. I talked and I basically went and worked on the fishing boats. When they said they wanted me to paint their fishing boats, they didn't mean paint pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I had these fishing boats up. You know, I had to learn very quickly how to paint fishing boats. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's that. And then I was down in England. I just found myself sitting outside drawing paint stuff. And, you know, and you get the usual folk coming up and saying, you know, you know, is, do you ever sell anything? You know? And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's, it's understandable, you know, but you feel it. I don't go up to you and you're working saying how much you get paid, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's normal, but I mean, it's natural, I suppose, but I've always done it. I've always done it. Um, back to Glasgow and I decided that I would do it. I mean, I did a lot of work for trade unions for a good number of years, and then I realised that I was the immortal. Aye. So I spent some years of my time, so you know, um, doing what I want to do, enjoying what I do, you know. Mm. And this is what I'm just thankfully. You know. It was funny you mentioned that kind of 
that juncture where art becomes commerce, like, and you, you do start thinking about money and things because I've, I've my photographs, same commented my photographs and stuff like that on social media before. And re this week I put up like basically a, a selection of photographs. I'm going to get some printed and A3 and, and high quality paper and sell them. And then like I was almost, I, I think I gave a selection of about 20, but I was almost annoyed at the, the ones that get the most likes. Like, I was like, but you are ignoring the best ones. <laughs> I know. I know. There's a picture that I think's quite generic almost out, I took out in Bowling last August and that's the one that people clearly would like to see me make make available as a print and I'm like but what about, what about the one with the guy's reflection in the window, <laughs> nobody's like that <laughs> Yeah, you always have to remember right nobody's got any taste <laughs> 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 I, did a, I did an exhibition in the People's Palace down in Glasgow right? And I remember that it was about 2001 wasn't it yeah there's quite, it's quite a big show, you know, there's quite a lot of folk running up, but um, they all sold all of the pictures and it sold, except for the one that I thought was the best. <laughs> <laughs> Which did, it actually did sell about a month later because somebody that had... After he'd spent a month going about greeting about it, somebody said, oh, you better buy that for Frank, he's broken-hearted. <laughs> so... Some kind person in Paris decided to, to better stop me mourning. So. <laughs> but they brought it, yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's funny people's tastes are like, and it changes as well. Yeah. People's taste changes. I mean, I know a guy that paints pictures up north, and he basically told me, paint pictures the same colour as people's sofas, because mm. they'll buy And I, I've always thought that that's not what I wanted to, you know, I... I if you buy them, right? But, you know, I paint pictures that, that, that I think that I want to paint, you know, and, you know, there, there are fashions and various different things, you know, and things that appeal to people. What you've got to remember, though, is that there's a big difference between the people that buy actual paintings and originals and people that buy prints. Yeah. It's not that any one of them's got less or more taste than the other. It's just one of them's going to earn money than the other. And it's also yeah. the fact Prints, uh, the the pictures like you see, the pictures that sell as prints are not always the pictures that you think are the best pictures. You know what I mean? Yeah. Appeal to that market. You know, people are willing to spend, you know, a hundred quid or eighty quid on a, a print, um, want something like that. Whereas you know, they're not going to want something like this. You know, um, so it's an interesting thought. It's an interesting thought. It's always it's always um, intrigued me. About what makes people buy this or buy that? Yeah. It's a bit strange. Well, it's, it's, it, was, it was quite um, clear that it was, I mean, I, I say generic, I don't mean it generic, I just mean that, that there was nothing too unique about the print, the, the, the photographs that people were choosing to say that I should print first, you know? But I mean, it's if, if, if you're looking to start selling them, then I guess you're going to want to produce the ones that people are going to buy, you know? But, that's, that's, a big, that's a big thing, yeah. I mean, it's also where you're going to sell them. That's a yeah. big one. But, but then I automatically, I'm such an overthinker, I automatically worry about, is this me compromising my artistic style? <laughs> look, at it, look at it as something that's enabling you, enabling you not to compromise. Yeah. I do love the photography just now. I'm going pure mental with it. Like, that, that, 
So since I got the Canon camera, man, like it's like a wee dopamine trigger. I'm walking about the streets, just click, 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 and you know I'm getting so much satisfaction just for taking them. You know, it's the best time as well. I mean, it's the most unusual time in the world, and yeah. and, and great time to record it with stuff like that, you know, with your yeah. camera. You know, who would have thought, you know, like five years ago that the whole world would be stopped by mm. a virus? That's science fiction, you know. And you think about. Every single aspect of society has been affected. It doesn't matter how powerful your nation is, you're yeah. still. Um, and this is a time to take pictures. And yeah. so, you know, looking at the town with your camera um, when it's empty like that, it's like that television series. I don't know if you remember that television series, Montalbano. Yeah. It was. Well, where is it now? It's, it's in an Italian island, and it was like an Italian detective thing. But it was like in one of the most populated islands in the world, and yet they filmed it. They made sure there was nobody in it. Right. It was astonishing. It was surreal. You know, this guy's driving about the streets, and you know, packs. You know, this thing is like a wee island. I don't know if it's it's not Sicily. It may be Sicily, something like that. Anyway, um, and and it's basically. You know, the whole, oh, they've removed the population to, to film this. It's actually, but that's what it's like in town, it's like most town, you know what I mean? Um, and that's I was, when you need to... I was always thinking that 28 days later, at the start of lockdown, when you seen, like when he just when he comes out of the hospital and he's sure, like, what the, it's empty, you know? Like, just, same. Um, people, nobody would have been surprised if there'd been an actual zombie apocalypse last June. You know, like, it was... <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's, it's absolutely, it's, 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 it really is. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't change things too much in rural districts, I don't think. Yeah. And as soon as you walk into Glasgow um, in the city centre, it's, it's stunning, the difference, it really is, you know. Yeah. And I, I noticed in like going out to places like Loch Lomond and um, Bowling and things and in Helensborough and things, the water is already looks cleaner. And the sky's clear and heaven's clear. Yeah, same. Um, as, soon as, it, as soon as they ease it at any time, then the place fills up with McDonald's wrappers and stuff. And that, that was really bad out in Kelvin Grove Park. Um, I think it was last August. All of a sudden, there was just tons and tons of Paisano pizzas boxes everywhere. You know? It's vile. I mean, that's stupid. I mean, why, why do people behave in such a stupid fashion? Foolishness, you know what I mean? I suppose out in the camps is it was all KFC and McDonald's, not even in a bin, just dumped at the motor, you know. It's that thing about people going up north um in camper vans and stuff like that, and then leaving their crap everywhere and you know, doing this rough camping thing. Uh, where they because they can't go to a pub, they are tear into a, some countryside place and just have a big party and get steaming and then wake up in the morning. And just leave all the shit behind them, you know. Right. I've seen that. I've seen that out in like Tarbot and Lus. A lot of just just picnic tables with about fifty cans sitting beside them. It's you, you, you always think this is why we can't have nice things, you know. It's this is silliness, you know. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a reason why farmers have got shotguns. <laughs> I guess. I guess. But you're talking about like drinking and stuff. Like you've 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 been you've been in recovery for must be coming up to. 25 years now, isn't it? 20, 20 years, I think it's 2001, right about then. Mm. Uh, 
uh, best decision I've ever made. Um, saved my life, and it's the same as a lot of other folk as well. Wow. It's a really um, I was very lucky that I had support from Alcoholics Anonymous, and I, I embraced that support. The, the God thing was something that I managed to um, resolve in my head because I don't really believe in a God, but I kind of understand the idea of a communal structure type power sort of thing. Yeah. But the, the techniques and the support that you get for other folk is fantastic. And the, the idea that, um, you know, I mean, there's that actually at one point, the nearest I ever came to drink again was maybe about a year after I stopped and something really stressful happened. And I went out with a pocket full of money intending to go to the pub and then remembered somebody saying something to me about just before you start drinking again, if you're ever tempted, look at it as a videotape. See how it's going to fast forward to the end and see what happens. Because mm. at the end of that videotape, you will wish that you could have rewound it and started it at the beginning again. Mm. Which is that was the point I was having a thought with this. And I just turned around and got back into the house. I think I went for a big long cycle run with headphones on listening to Black Sabbath or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I did the trick. Um, and luckily I've managed to have, you know, stay sober since 2020 or 20, 2001, sorry. Mm. Um, and of course, a couple of years after that, I still talking, uh, mm. which is the way you want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sitting here with my coffee and my fag just now, man, but I'm realising that I'm, I'm really turning into coffee and fags just now, like, especially... Um, And I always, I always paired that with a cigarette as well. Yeah, always did. Right. Um, I miss, I miss. Sometimes I miss a cigarette. I never miss the drinking just now. That's yeah. good. I see the hangovers and things like that, and the, and the, and the that feeling of just, just complete pollution of your body as well is, is actually the least of it. It's fine at the time. It's a bit like that looking in the golden windows again. Mm. You know, this one, you know, you, I remember somebody describing it to me like, you know, you walk by a pub and there's a warm glow coming from the inside and warm, friendly chatter and all the rest of it. Mm. It always seems like it's the start of an adventure. Like you're just about to go in the Lord of the Rings or something, you know. <laughs> if you're going to do something remarkable, but it always I mean, ends. you do end up looking like a hobbit. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping in Mordor, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> I would say that was one of the one of the best lessons I got from the fellowships um, was a guy when I was really sort of bad with drinking drugs and things, and I was like, "How do you stop?" And the guy's like, "You physically don't pick up that drink or drug and put it in your body." And I'm sitting there giving it all, you know, excuses why I still need to drink or still need to, you know, just self pity and all that. And he's like, "You just don't." You just don't take that drink. I mean, that's that simple. Do you know, and it's, it's some, sometimes. You know, because yeah. it's a bit like when you're faced with an incredibly complex, difficult set of problems. Um, yeah. You're overwhelmed almost with it. And the whole yeah. thing seems huge. But the way you do it is just break it down into simple boxes mm. and start to the first one. And as you say, the first one is left in that drink. Don't do it, you know what I mean? Right. But I, took, I mean, it was, it, I was like, 
at the time the guy said it, I was like pure. I don't know. I, I think he was expect. I was I think I was expecting a cheat code or something. <laughs> you know, but it, it's the more that it's more times passed. That was like twenty years ago now, and it's it's the most simple, effective thing. Just do not take that thing or drug and put it in your body. You know. No, and it's never going to be one drink. You can never do it. You just cannot yeah. do it. That realization is, should be enough. And it, you know, there are other things you can fill your life with yeah. that are much. And as you get older, your body's going to take it anyway. That's another thing. Uh, <clears throat> and that's short in your life, and it makes things miserable. You know, there's no good side to it. There really isn't. You know, once you start developing a problem, then there's a bad side all the time. Um, then, then that's the case. You know. um, so, um, yeah, I mean, we, I, I've been really glad to see you coming on. The way you've been coming on and sort of doing your stuff, the photographs. They are taking an absolutely wonderful. Well, thanks, they're wonderful. Keep doing them, you know. Um, well, I think I think that that comes into it as well when you think about drinking and, and drugs and things. It's um, it's you would lose you, you lose something. You you lose your ability to, to really to focus and create. You know. You lose you lose the idea that you can do something. You keep putting things off. You keep in the back of your mind just the idea that yeah, one day I'll do that, one day I'll do this. You don't do it. Whereas if you're not drinking and if you're sober and you know, there's so or much. You could take you could take some coke and get a bottle of whiskey and talk about it till five in the morning. But you you wouldn't be doing it. As soon as the sun comes out, that imagined talent dissipates. <laughs> well, as soon as the drink goes away, and as soon as you've got a sore head, and as soon as you're in any way sober or anything like that, you uh, know, it's, it's a bit like the you know. It's funny, you know. There's a kind of there is a kind of metaphor there that drinking is like normal society, where you're being distracted from any advancement yourself yeah. by the distractions of, you know, pubs, restaurants, entertainment, etc. Even work and isolation is almost like sobriety, where you you actually have to do something. You know, you've got to keep your mind active. You've got to create yourself. You can't. Pretend you're doing it. You know, you can't go to the yeah. pub and boast. You thought about writing something today, or yeah. thought about something. You, know, you might do it. Um, yeah. And that's but the good thing as well is that you know, with stuff that you're doing, like your photographs and stuff, um, uh, amongst other things. But your photographs that you know, there there is there is markets for these things. You know, and, you know, like there, and there is two. There's two functions. And one of them is a work of art. Another one is it's historical document albums. Of a oh. time um, and you know there are places you know there are galleries and clubs and online galleries that you should look at you should look at the sashes yeah i seen i seen you've got a profile there well, really really good profile sir. same you should um open us a, a profile there too uh -huh. the yes you should uh, yeah. and sell prints through that well my, my no plan my, my, my plan right now is to sell sell these sort of runs of prints, like my first lots, and then basically save up enough to get a canvas printer, mm. and then print and start printing in canvas myself. I mean that's 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 going to be a bit of working things, but I think I, I like the idea of being able to print canvas quality myself. What we do, oh what we do, I see. What I do anyway with the paints, I sell prints with paints. And they're what's called um, 
Clay Prince, uh, it says this posh word, it's, it's spelled G-Y-C-L-E-E, and it, it just means a special kind of print, but yeah. these are these high-end printers that are used to print these things, um, and they can print them any size. Uh, yeah. There are printers that do it. There's one that I use, which I'll give you the contact details for later. Um, but if you send him images, you know, you can put them through a Dropbox or something. Yeah. Uh, he'll produce a run of prints for you. You know, really top quality prints. Um, and, you know, they are, they, are, they are limited edition standard, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it'll save you the... Well, I don't know whether you think that it'll save you money or not. It depends on where you sell. Yeah. If you sell an awful lot, then, you know, you can do this. But I would have a print, you know, that I would sell for about 100 quid, and it would cost me about 25. That's, and, that's, that's a good markup, isn't it? You know, when you sign it, and it's a limited edition, and you only get so many done, etc. You know, you can also get framed and behind glass yeah. and mounted for not too much more. Which is quite interesting. I'll talk to you about it afterwards. You know, but these, these are ways that you could be marketing your stuff. But you know, you you know better than I do what you want to do with that stuff. But well, I the, thing about, the thing about it is international now. You don't limit yourself to a wee shop in the back end of Arctic that's going to sell the stuff. You know. Well, there's a, there's there's a lot of good engagement on on social media that the dreaded social media with in the groups that for people that used to live in Glasgow. I've, I've been like, oh, can, it's, I actually took a, I actually took a photograph of um, Oakfield Avenue for just some random woman from Canada the other day because I was like, she said, if you're passing Oakfield Avenue, can you get a wee photograph? And then two days later, I was like, oh, Oakfield Avenue. And it, it took me ages to find out who'd actually asked me. <laughs> I couldn't remember, but I was quite happy just to give her that wee photograph of Oakland Avenue, you know. I forgot to oh, charge her, but... It's a star, though. I mean, people, people, people love that kind of stuff. I have... Mm. I mean, I did a lot of pictures of Terry Closes and Terry Bills and a lot of them get sold in uh, America, Canada, and a couple in Australia. Um, this is the expert. And I get people, could you paint a jellyfish outside my, my old house? If you dislike it that much, you want to see it get eaten by a massive jellyfish. <laughs> You paid me looking out at a big giant jellyfish, you know. So, <laughs> I've actually done one of them, you know. Absolutely. I mean, but yeah, I mean, and Glasgow is a wonderful city, or it could be. Um, yeah. That's the, you know, the, the slogan it's got at the moment. Whereas, it was quite funny because the slogan I've got is people make Glasgow, right? Yeah. Add the word untidy after it, right? <laughs> Until the lockdown. Well, that wasn't applicable anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's back to people making Glasgow, you know, uh, but there's so many lovely places in Glasgow, you know, and a lot of them are places that may not in the first instance appear to be lovely, the alleys and the, you know, various different backdrops and things like that, you know. Yeah. Well, actually, me, me, me and my dad went down to the, uh, a wee graveyard, I think it was a, a weaver's graveyard in Calton yesterday. And we got some photographs of there's a big mural across the road, but we got some photographs of some of the old um, old graves and plinths and things. So there's oh, and I, I had no idea it was there, you know, but my dad my dad knew it was there, so it was. It's um oh, 
I'm not, I don't know Brighton that well, but it's just it's not far from the centre of Brighton with either we bandstand. But it's called the Calton Weavers graveyard, so right, Brighton's an incredible place as well. I used uh, to for a year to when I left school in a tailor shop. Right. Back in the days when, you know, all the local hard men on a walked about in suits. <laughs> you know, and they had pins behind their lapels. And they'd rows of pins in the suits behind the lapels so that if somebody grabbed them to put a nut on them. get the That was for you, you know. <laughs> 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 ben, you were talking about, about the kind of detective element, uh, some of your paintings. Um, I, I, I seen it, I don't know if you put it in social media or if it, if it was something else, but you put us a kind of Lovecraftian detective story influence. The, the, the idea is that it's the golden age detective stories were picked or stories that had been done like the old Agatha Christie stuff and, you know, everybody's wearing lovely suits, tweeds and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so that kind of sort of slight undercurrent of you know, um, Menace, yeah. occult. Yeah. I did a, a picture, a painting, um, which was itself a detective story. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, no, that, that was the party thing, the, the search party. It was, no, it was a, it was a, um, it was like, as if everybody was sitting in a big lounge. Yeah. You know, suits and stuff on. Um, and one of those people had murdered. Was the, was the murderer, and right. you basically do who it was, and the way you do that was to read the clues in the picture. Yeah, and, and the clues were all encapsulated in various different ways. Like there was Morse code, there was semaphore, there was all yeah. kinds of you know, international shipping flag signals and stuff like that. Um, and there was a lot of stuff in it, um, you know. And it was set in the gallery room of the Glasgow Art Club. Right. That big place was in the background. In the background was the art school, which was smouldering away in the background. And there was <laughs> the Mitchell, and there was um, there was a big zeppelin. I seem to remember, um, which incidentally um, turned out to be quite relevant because the the first airship to cross the Atlantic and come back again was constructed just outside Glasgow. Right. Well. And it flew across the Atlantic to uh, the East Coast of America. And when it got there, just outside New York, I think it was that one of the crew members had to bail out and land in a parachute because nobody in America knew how to moor an airship. So it was a couple of firsts there, you know. So, so he had, had to come out to help land the ship. It's <laughs> very, very strange, very surreal stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, that's in the picture as well, all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, yeah. and, you know, it's a lot. You put a lot into pictures that maybe are not first obvious, you know. Yeah. And as you can, because the difference between a painting and a photograph, ever so slightly, is that. You know, you can, every single aspect of everything that's in the pain is controlled by you. Yeah. Nothing is controlled by anyone else or any machine or any, you know, the only limitation is your own ability, really, you know. And I know that a lot of the time in camera work, it's slightly like that, but 
NPs, that's a bad difference. And you know, it'd be difficult for you to get your shit to, to, to pose for you. <laughs> I think I think I think of the the photograph thing, but is is identifying something that that I want to keep. So I, yeah. I'm I'm with my camera and I'm going like that. In fact, yesterday in the graveyard I was just talking about. Um, my dad was like, "Why don't you get a photograph here and just just move that there slightly and then move the gate a bit?" And I was like, "But I don't want to interfere, Dad." And he looked at me like I'm fucking mental. <laughs> I'm like, I, "I don't want to manipulate it. I just want to capture it." And that's like, "You're fucking crazy, son." <laughs> it just I felt as if it felt as if I'd be cheating if I'd have moved that branch or something. <laughs> I mean, it's as it is, it's just a pose integrity, isn't it? You know, it's the way you want it. You know, you observe. Um, I am but an observer, Father. He's like, you're if you're not. <laughs> I can see him saying that. You know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, you know, you're reporting on something, you know, but there's also the point as well that it's, you know, this is something that a lot, I think a lot of people that take photographs forget. You don't seem to forget it too much from looking at your photographs, is that you're the person that sees the image before you take the picture. Yeah. You, you see what's possibly a picture before you take a camera and put it off. So it's that ability to see that, to be able to see that, um, is different yeah. for different people. You said that, right? I mean, Leonardo, this sounds a bit pompous, right? But it's true. Yeah. Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci said, there are those who can be taught to see. Um, there are those who see already. And then he says, and all those who just can't see. Right? <laughs> and that's what it's like. You know what I mean? And to, before you take a picture, people can't, you can't put down people that take pictures, right? Because they see it before they take the picture. Aye. You see the composition, you see the shape, you see the frame before you take that image. Um, you know, you're not just snapping like that. You know, you're, you're, and, you know, you're deciding where you're going to stand and what your viewpoint is. And what kind of light, and etc. That uh, you know when you're going to take it. Um, it's not an accident that it ends up the way it does. You know, um, there's also the fact as well that a lot of skill and I think artistic perception goes into how you uh, you can sort of like crop or alter a paint or a photograph slightly before you finish it. You know, yeah. I mean nowadays that's the process of taking a picture doesn't end with pressing a button, in my opinion. The process right. of photograph, a good photographic image ends when you stop working on it. Right. And you've taken the pictures, you're still doing that, you know? Yeah. Well, so actually, it's, I remember years ago, you, you, you sort of, not getting on my back exactly, but you kind of, a nice DJ, you said, it was not it was not right for me. <laughs> you, were like, you you can't be enjoying that. It's other people's records. Do you do something? <laughs> I was a bit more I was a bit more opinionated when I was <laughs> No, but I mean you you were kinda right. Like when I started doing comedy, it was using the same skill set and you know, muscle memory or whatever to to, to do comedy. But the difference between that and DJing was it was all me. There was no, there was no rows of speakers. There was no records. There was no, there was a crowd, but there, it wasn't. A, it was a different, different thing. But it was still using that skill set, that communication with a crowd. It's, it's like an actual, um, real life set sort of version of doing a painting. You're you're controlling absolutely everything in that relationship with the people you're talking to. You're in charge of everything. You're 
you're saying what you're saying, you're deciding what you're saying, you're seeing how you say it, you're deciding when you say it and your timing and everything else, um, and you're deciding the order of things as, as it goes on. I mean, that's almost the same as a painting, you know. Mm. I mean, it's a very difficult thing, and it's something I find almost impossible, I think. But, <clears throat> um, you know, fair play, you know, that must be a really hard thing to do. It must be, you know. Do you not find that when you're doing comedy, do you do you find, I don't know if you do or not, but do you find that you put on a, a, a persona to do the comedy, or is it? It's, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like an amplified version of myself. But it's also, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a magic trick where I take a lot of the horrible shit in my life and, and, and try and dissipate it by making it funny. But at the same time as well, if you're talking about mental health and things like that, it isn't that healthy to be continually bringing up dark stuff from your past and things like that, you know? So it's, you've got to find a balance somewhere. Can you, can you all be sort of psychotherapy stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think when I, I've been doing some longer sets recently, and I think I've got too much of that confessional, personal thing stuff. I think I need to get a bit more kind of lighthearted of things. I talk about some dark stuff in my set, and it's um, it's all right for a five minute or a ten minute, but there's a there's a point where it, you can, I don't know, you can just you can just turn the crowd off because you're just you're just talking too much about dark stuff, you know. You know, I see comedians, I don't even remember their bloody names, half of them, right? But there's guys, the American ones anyway, that I've seen that quite dark and, and, and quite solid stroppy about what they're talking about, but they're really, really clever. And yeah. they, they, talk, they talk about themselves a bit, but a lot of the time they're talking about things that, you know, like, you know, taking a taxi or going outside or listening to people talk about, you know, People tell me they're offended. Fuck being offended. What's that? You know what I mean? All that stuff. Um, you know, because you're offended doesn't mean you say I can do something. I don't care if you're offended. That that kind of that kind of observation about society is sometimes quite interesting because that dark stuff that you're talking about that you have sometimes that fuels a really refreshing look at someone as. Um, you know, some of society that we're just now, you know, yeah. the, 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 you know, even down to the way people park their blooming cars or something. You know, I mean, it can <laughs> be in, what clothes they're wearing, you know, what clothes they've got. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that that could be a, a battery. It can be a source of um, energy, I think, you know, I mean. Uh, but it, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it can also leak. <laughs> <laughs> Power rods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, well, we mentioned my dad a minute ago. You've, you've been a friend of my dad's for thirty years now, isn't it? Like, yeah. great, great, yeah, good, good man, good man, yeah. really good. I mean, I, you, know, I, you know, he's been so helpful to me, your father, yeah. in the past. I've, I've never forgotten that. Yeah. Um, such, you know, for such a big guy, he's such a kind, gentle guy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, you know, you can be a bit rough on occasion, but I mean, I remember um, I had a dog called Humphrey. Yeah. And Humphrey was quite a nippy wee thing. They never liked too many folk. There was two people he liked. Now, all the people I've ever brought up to the house. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was so happy. 
Right, you know, um, and it was wonderful. It was lovely yeah. to see. Sometimes said, "Oh man, the help spot." You know, he's and most of the time he just growls at people. I mean, you come up, somebody comes <laughs> up to the house, and you sit at one end of the couch, and the person the dog to sits at the other side of the couch. This dog would jump into the middle and, and just sit there staring at the person that's trying to talk to you and grill out of their face. That's <laughs> really not particularly friendly with thing. You know what I mean? Well, I, th I think I think I think the love that they ran two ways because he was very fond of Hunt Humphrey as well. You know, I've seen a lot of other animals. I've seen a lot of people. Um, you get to know Jim, your father, in any way at all, you immediately recognise that. Um, uh, I mean, that's, 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 how, that's how I first met you as well. When I used to work with my dad, we moved you and Trish. And then about two weeks later, like, I went, I went to go to work and there you were again. And I'm like, did we not move you two weeks ago? You lie. You're like, that's kind of a job. You <laughs> left me the van. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in this van for the past two weeks. I remember, I remember like moving your paintings and things like that and helping you with some of the exhibition stuff and all that like years ago. But you gave me my first um, my first reference. That, um, and it was, it was on Tenement Close Productions paper, but you didn't mention the fact that it was... It was through my dad's company that we actually worked there. It was a really nice reference. You gave me a great reference. It was really good. Well, if you ever need another reference, I'm going to start off another company right away. No, no bad, man. I'll be asking you for a reference. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't even need one, man. Your paintings are fucking so good just now, man. That stuff. That, that jellyfish stuff as well. Sorry? for the future then is it to concentrate on the, the photographs or to do the dual the, du the du duality of the photographs and the comedians my, 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 my thoughts on it are like the, the photography and the comedy is interchangeable to a certain extent so if I'm going to be travelling for comedy I can also take photographs while I'm doing it in new places and things you know it's um, and, and I, I enjoyed I enjoyed doing this the podcasting thing I think there's, there's no money or, or market really for a lot of podcast things, unless I want to start thinking about sponsorship and stuff. But I really enjoy making these podcasts and interviewing people, you know, people that I know and people that I don't. You've got a really good manner about you. It's easy to talk to you. And I think that that's one of the main sort of like, you know, necessities for somebody doing this. Yeah. Um, I think, well, the way I, as I understand it, the way that these things grow is that, um, you know, you eventually attract some kind of advertising, you know, and eventually. Yeah. Off decent living out or something, or something to keep you going while you travel or whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly impressed with what you're doing. I think oh, thanks, man. Thanks. I, guess that's, that's, I just, I just like to keep kind of busy, you know. And like, like you're saying, I mean, I do. I'm a bit of an outsider. Maybe too proud to be an outsider from time to time. But um, I think that, you know, things are looking up. Things are going to get better. The world has changed. People's attitudes will have changed to a certain extent. Don't get me wrong; they'll still be the same crappy, cynical politician type folk about the place and they'll still uh, be the rich manipulators and exploiters and things like that. But people, I think, maybe if I've had, had a wee glimpse in the mirror, I'd be uh, forced to the mirror um, by this because of this lockdown and the virus. That can do not but help stuff that you're doing. And, you know, uh, hopefully... Uh, 
And I think that's dead important. I do. I'm quite optimistic about it. Cool. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today, Frank. And um, hopefully we'll have you back on, you know, next year or whatever, and things will be back to normal and we can talk about the return to normality. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks very much, Jimmy. I'm really, really pleased to manage to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Manamana, do 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 do. Manamana, do 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 do. Manamana, do 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 do